powerful picture as uh, we talked about baptism and symbolizing us identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, 20 of our people went down to the lake and went public with their declaration and their love and their devotion to Jesus. Last week, uh, our missionaries to Hong Kong, Randy and Kathy Poslinsny, were here, and I uh, hear Randy did a great job, so uh, thank you, Randy, and thank you, Chris and Brenda Thompson, for hosting them. We appreciate you uh, stepping up and hosting Randy and Kathy, so thank you. Uh, we have one more thing we've been doing. We've been uh, a summer challenge. You remember that? It's been a couple weeks now. I uh, haven't been here to needle and nudge you, but we were going to read a chapter of the book of Proverbs daily, encouraging you to read the chapter that lines up with the day of the month. So today is August 11th. That means you'd read Proverbs chapter 11 today, and tomorrow is the 12th. You'll read Proverbs chapter... <clears throat> you guys are fast and furious today, I'm telling you. Wide awake. Uh, why are we doing that? Because it takes time for God's wisdom to get on a hard drive to get uh, God's wisdom to marinate in our minds and take root in our hearts and our souls. It, it doesn't just happen like that. It has to slowly marinate over time. So I, I want to ask you, I'll let you grade your own papers class, um, and here's what I'm going to ask you. How many of you would rate your reading through Proverbs as a B or better? Doing pretty good. I'm still with you. B or better. Let me see your hands. Okay. Okay. Nice job. Nice job. How many of you'd say I'm probably a C right now? Okay. We won't ask any further, okay? Uh, but but you, you can join us, okay? Uh, we're already on our third time through, and uh, I've noticed slowly, slowly it's starting to take root, and I'm already starting to use it. And, I, and I, already I said to somebody who's told me, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go and I'm going to do this, Pastor Jeff, and I had just read that morning that if you get involved in somebody else's arguments, it's like picking a dog up by its ears. And I said, do you know you're about to pick a dog up by its ears? And they looked at me and said, what do you mean by that? I said, you're going to get bit. It's not going to be good. So already it's starting to, uh, to stick, okay? So uh, as we've looked, we've looked at wisdom's benefits, wisdom about friendship, wisdom about anger, uh, wisdom about sex we've even looked at already. So today we're going to look at wisdom on the job at work. But before we look in Proverbs, I want to take you all the way back and see where work began, okay? Turn with me to the book of Genesis. Where did God ordain that we would be workers? Where, where, when did that begin? And some of you are thinking, well, surely that was because of the fall, right? Because work is hard and sweaty and tiring and frustrating. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, would you? Genesis chapter 1, and I want to show you where work begins, where God ordains plans that we're going to be workers. Genesis 1, slide down to verse 27, would you? 127, Genesis. If you don't have your Bible, maybe somebody next to you. We'll let you look on. There goes my bulletin. Uh, so God created mankind in his own image. You putting it up? Yeah, Dan's got it up there. Uh, 
in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they'll be yours for food. And he goes on. Um, But I just want you to see, this is before the fall of Adam and Eve. You tracking? This is before sin and Satan messed up and marred planet Earth. Work was a part of God's plan for us from the beginning. Let me say that again. Work is not as a result of sin. Work was always God's plan for us from the very beginning. Uh, It was meant to be his blessing on us, not a curse, okay? So, So if you just look at verses 27 and 28, look back again. I just want you to see right from the start, the Lord has Adam and Eve working and ruling and naming and subduing the earth. They're already busy right from the beginning. I like how Pastor Larry Osborne said it. He said, you and I were made to work like beavers were created to build dams, okay? That's just what they were created to do. Well, you and I were created to work. That was God's plan all along. And listen, give me your eyes, in in the new heaven and the new earth and in the millennium, we're not just going to be wasting away in Margaritaville, okay? Some of you are thinking, well, I'm going to swing on a hammock like a cloud hammock and play my harp and that's what heaven... No, that's, that's false. That's, that's not true. Uh, it seems very clear from God's word that the glimpses we get, we're going to be busy working in the new heaven and the new earth. It's just going to be work without any of the problems and the frustrations and the irritations. Got it? We're going to be working for King Jesus, and it's going to be satisfying, and it's going to be amazing work, just like he originally planned for us back here in Genesis 1. So let me say one more time, work is God's plan. It's not bad for us. Matter of fact, that's God's divine plan for you and me. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, and we said this a few months ago in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The problem is sin has entered into our work and has messed it up big time. Sin has come into uh, the earth, and now every job has parts of it that stink, right? Every job has parts of it. Now go to Genesis chapter 3, would you please? Turn over a page, uh, because in Genesis 3, 1 to 6, Adam and Eve disobey, willfully sin against the clear commands of the Lord, and they get caught, and we're still dealing with the consequences today. And here are the consequences as they relate to work. Verse 17, Genesis chapter 3, here's what it says. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You're going to eat the plants of the field, but by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Um, Here's the point. Sin entered planet Earth, and now work is sweaty and has thorns and thistles and it's painful and it's frustrating and at times it's really irritating. Before this, that wasn't the case with work. But that's what happened as a result of the fall. Which means this, farmers now have to deal with weeds. Uh, Cooks now have to deal with dirty dishes. Uh, Janitors now have to deal with filthy toilets. Uh, factory folk, you have to deal with OSHA. That's a result of the fall. Uh, <laughs> teachers, you have to deal with rebellious students. Builders have to face inspectors, okay? That's all fall stuff. Every job has its weeds, its thorns, its thistles. There are no jobs that don't have places where they stink, okay? Now, this is huge. Because if you don't understand this, there are people, and you know them, and hopefully you aren't one of them, and you're always moving around looking for the perfect job. I, I, I don't like this. I don't like this about my job. And you're always unsatisfied, always looking for that greener grass opportunity. And, and you've seen people, they're never happy. They're always jumping from job to job. They're always frustrated, and they're mad, and they're irritated. Are you listening? There are no jobs that don't have weeds. There are no jobs that don't have their areas of toilets to clean. Every job has its, its area that uh, is troubling, okay? And you're always looking, and you're always looking, and when am I going to find the perfect job? I've got an answer for you. Ready? When you're face-to-face with Jesus, that's called heaven. That's the new heaven and the new earth, Jeff. Because this side of, uh, of heaven and being face-to-face with Christ and the new heaven and the new earth, it's going to be frustrating. Every job has its weeds and its thorns. Now, every generation since Adam has had people who see the frustration of work and they realize it's irritating, and it's hard, and it's sweaty, and it's stressful. So therefore, every generation have had folks all along that say, I quit. I, I'm not going to work. I, I don't like work. It's hard. I don't like to sweat. I, I'd rather play. Every generation has had people who say, you know what? I'm going to do as little as possible and try to get away with it. Every generation has had people who said, I'm going to shirk my responsibility, and I'm going to have you do my part. You carry my load, and I'm going to try my best to get away with it. I'm going to game the system and do everything I can, and you take care of me. Please understand, some of you are thinking, well, that just started in the 60s or the 50s. No, 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 this was going on in Solomon's day, and it's still going on today. There's been people all along who decided they don't like work, it's too frustrating, it's too hard, and therefore I'm going to try not to work anymore. 
Now turn with me, and we're going to look at those people today, because that's what we're going to view in on today. Proverbs chapter 6, would you please? And let's see what God's Word has to say about people who refuse to carry their own weight. I'm not going to work. You're going to work for me. And, and I expect, I even demand that you take care of me. What does God's Word have to say about those folks? Proverbs 6, slide down to verse 6 through verse 11. Let's stand together. Let's read. Dan will put it up here on the wall. Ready? Here we go. Let's read and declare God's Word together. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gather its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you that it even addresses things like jobs and work and even the folks at times who want to do all they can to avoid working. Lord, uh, I thank you for those that are standing here and their talents and their gifts and their expertise. And Lord, thank you for each person who's here who's conscientious and giving it their all. Lord, may your blessing be upon them. I even pray right now for those who are standing here in your church who are struggling on the job. Lord, there's probably some standing right now and there's weeds and thorns and, and irritation going on. And, and Lord, I'm asking that even during this testing time that they might grow in their faith and in their trust. May, may they learn good stuff. May they move to the next level of maturity with your son, Jesus, even through the challenges they're facing. And Lord, I suspect there are some here who are even thinking about finding a new place to work. And Lord, uh, if that's the case, would you make that clear to them? Help them to just wait upon you until you make yourself clear and obvious. And Lord, then show them what you have next in mind for them. Uh, thank you again, Lord, for allowing us to come and gather in what you call church. And this is your church here at Walloon. We invite your spirit now to settle in this place. May we hear clearly from you. May Jesus be lifted high. Speak, Lord, to your servants who are listening, even right now. And all the church at Walloon said in agreement, you may be seated. Before we dig in, lest I be misunderstood, would you find Proverbs 19.17 with me? Proverbs 19.17. Because sometimes we get on our horses on this subject and we ride too far and we miss out the balance, Okay. So Proverbs 19.17, this is an underlying worthy verse, I, I believe. 
This is one that you don't want to forget. So if you're an underliner, this is good to, to remember, okay? Here's what it says. Whoever is kind to the who? Lends to the Lord. And he will reward them for what they've done. The challenge is figuring out who the poor are, okay? And I won't lie to you, but I just want you to know when we're talking today in Proverbs 6, we're not talking today about the genuine poor. We're not talking about the widows, the orphans, those with chronic illness, those with cancer, those in wheelchairs. We're not talking about the elderly. We're not talking about single moms. We're not talking about the working poor who are giving it their all and still aren't making ends meet, okay? We're not talking about those people today, okay, um, who are giving it everything they got and they're still struggling to survive. Widows, orphans, sick, the incapacitated, the elderly, single moms, the working poor. Look at verse 17. This is huge. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be generous to the genuinely poor. Tracking? We are called to reach out as we're able and to help them in every way we can. Okay? So don't misunderstand. Sometimes everybody gets lumped in, and that's wrong. It's not biblical. We should have a heart for those who are genuinely poor, okay, who genuinely need help. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11, okay, you can go back now, is aimed at those who are physically and mentally able to work. They're able to carry their own weight. They just prefer to not work. You tracking? These are people, they can work. they physically, mentally, very capable of working. Uh, but they would just as soon shirk their responsibility and let somebody else pay the bills. Somebody else will feed me. Mom and dad, the church, this government program, this system in place will work hard instead of me. Wisdom says, no, I point you, first of all, to the ant. Now look at verse 6, because this is interesting, I think. He says, uh, just take a peek at the ant, would you please? Verse 6, go to the ant, you sluggard. Kind of blunt. Almost mean if it wasn't the Bible, right? So don't get mad at me, that's God's word. Uh, Consider its ways and be wise. The ant has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. In one corner, I present you, weighing in at 155 pounds, not talking about me, uh, standing 5 feet 10 inches tall, having been given the gifts of intellect and speech and rational thinking, being made fearfully and wonderfully in God's image, is the sluggard, <laughs> who has a brain the size of most anthills. Think about it. 
And now we have in the other corner, <laughs> um, weighing in at one ten thousandth of an ounce, crawling in at less than one eighth of an inch in most instances, is the lowly ant. And yet, the teacher says, uh, just look down at the ant just for a few moments, please. Look again, verse 6. This little creature, small, tiny, has been given, God-given wisdom and ability to work. And I use the word wisdom loosely, okay? But drive, God-given drive to work. And that's exactly what they do. And here's the point the teacher of wisdom is making. Ants know their jobs, and they get them done, okay? They, they, they know their jobs, they get to it, and they work hard, and they work diligently. Ants don't need a boss. There are no boss ant foremen. You know, they don't need somebody cracking the whip. Ants don't need somebody to motivate and get people to move. They don't need someone to motivate them to get busy and work. And, verse 8, this is huge, and ants, even though they're just tiny little creatures, they understand if they don't work hard in the summer season, when it gets cold outside, when winter season comes, they know they're going to starve. Therefore, they are very motivated. <laughs> they work, and they work hard, because they don't want to starve. And in the other corner, we have the human named Sluggard. And uh, Sluggard is mentioned 14 times in the book of Proverbs. Isn't that interesting? So that, that seems to be something that Solomon and the other wise teachers, that's a favorite phrase of theirs. And it's as though there are people named Sluggard. Nowhere else in the Old Testament is that word used, okay? Here's what a Sluggard is. You ready? They are folks who are lazy and unmotivated. They are physically and mentally capable of work, but they prefer to do as little as possible. They are skilled at shirking their responsibilities. That's kind of a fun word to say. Want to say it with me? Shirking. Shirking. Yeah, you almost have to get it back in your Shirking their responsibilities. They are. They're good at it, and they expect other people to bail them out. Back to the text, look at verse 8. Here's what we learn about sluggard. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Verse 11, and what's going to happen? And poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34, also is an extended passage about sluggard, our friend. So if you want to write that down, you can look it up. And Proverbs 26, verses 13 to 16, is the third extended passage about our friend sluggard. Uh, chapter 24, 30 to 34, talks about going by sluggard's field, and he doesn't take care of his source of income. He refuses to take the weeds and 
and get the thistles, and he refuses to harvest, and the wall's broken down, so all the animals are eating his harvest. Sluggard doesn't care. Proverbs 26, 13 to 16, sluggard finds reasons not to go to work. And uh, I don't know, maybe you've had uh, employees, maybe you've seen family members. They're really creative with finding reasons not to work. Um, I'd like to go to work today, but it's too hot. Uh, I'd go to work today, but it's too cold. I'd go to work, but it's, it's too windy, or I'm sick. Or Proverbs 26, 13, I've never heard this one, but it's kind of interesting. I'd go to work, but I heard tell there's a lion in the neighborhood, and I'm afraid that the lion might eat me. That's really true. 2613 of Proverbs, look it up. But, but that's what sluggards, he's always looking for a reason not to go to work. This is a true story from my family. I will not tell you his name. We'll call him Sluggard. Sluggard is no longer alive, so I, I, I feel a little more free. Uh, I had a, a sluggard, okay, I'll tell you, he was my uncle. <laughs> and he could not keep a job, and he was good at getting other people to buy him groceries and put him up, and anyway... Um, so finally, my grandfather, whose daughter had married Sluggard, says, I'm going to go to bat for Slug, and I'm going to get him a job. And sure enough, got his son-in-law a job. Um, one day, Slug calls in and says, I can't come into work today because I'm going to my father-in-law's funeral. True story. His boss knew the story about Slug, and he went and found my grandpa. Are you okay? And grandpa says, yeah. He says, well, uh, your son-in-law just called in and said he's going to your funeral. Huh. True story. Slug lost his job that day. I'm just telling you, really good at excuses. Just want to list some of the characteristics that God's Word says a master at reasoning and blaming others for not working or having a job. Great at making excuses, 2613. Um, and this is what's interesting. Slugger doesn't refuse to work, just kind of push pushes it off. Uh, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll do it at, at a more convenient time. And the minutes turn to hours, turn to days, turn to weeks, turn to months, and opportunity slips away. Look at verse 11. That's exactly the point, like a thief that has robbed Sluggard of his potential. A thief has robbed Sluggard of his opportunities. Uh, third thing we learn about Slug, he's an expert procrastinator. I'll get to it later. Wisdom keeps asking, look at verse 9, when? When are you going to get up? How long? And Sluggard says, well, I, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for this form to come. I'm waiting for this phone call. To, maybe next week. Uh, uh, there's always later. Later, I'm going to get there. Fourth thing about Sluggard, he's always behind on his bills. 
always, because he's not working properly, he's not hanging in there, there's always bill collectors, there's always folks threatening foreclosure. Listen to me, 14 times in Proverbs, sluggard is equated with poverty, okay? So there's a reason why there's poverty, it's because he refuses to work. And you just need to know, those two go hand in hand. Fifth, sluggard is always too tired to work. Look at verses 9 and 10. Sleeping when he should be working. 26, 14, worn out, can't keep a job. Verse 15, chapter 26. He's even too tired to eat. <laughs> Finally, here's the real issue. If you got your Bible, go to 26, 16. This is, this is huge. Okay, real issue here, 2616, is this. A sluggard, it says, is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Sluggard in his own eyes is the smartest person there is. Because after all, I'm surviving and I'm doing just fine and you're working your fool head off, and I'm doing little, and I'm as alive as you. I'm, I'm winning. I'm doing little and nothing, and I'm just fine. I'm gaming the system. I'm working everybody around me. Pretty smart, aren't I? Sluggard is wiser in, in his own eyes than seven people who really are wise and know how to answer people discreetly. Okay. Conclusions, thoughts to ponder, I'll give you three, regarding work and poverty and good old sluggard, okay? First conclusion is this, ready? It takes wisdom and discretion to be able to distinguish between people who genuinely are in need and those who are just interested in continuing in their sluggard ways. It's really hard. It's really difficult sometimes to look at the situation and say, is this person genuinely poor, genuinely needy, and needing help, or is this person just gaming me and uh, trying to get me to enable them to continue in their lazy ways? Okay? Here's my first point. You ready? When it's clear we're dealing with someone who's biblically poor, Proverbs 19:17. We should do everything we can to help, okay? Uh, we should do what we can as followers of Christ to reach out and help those who are genuinely in need, okay? Uh, widows, orphans, single moms, seriously ill, mentally ill, elderly, working poor, folks in wheelchairs, those who genuinely are in need, we in the body of Christ in the church, we should be the most generous people there are. But I admit, <laughs> it's really hard sometimes to distinguish. Now, we as a church, we have what we call the Benevolent Fund and the Benevolent Committee. And Pastor Bob and committee members, I'm just telling you, we'd love to have more wisdom. But I'm telling you, it's hard because a lot of times we're trying to discern. Is this genuine or is this just someone who's a sluggard? Uh, and, Lord, give us wisdom here. Uh, 50, 60, 70, how, how many, Raj, families, 
the food pantries feeding. We, we've got folks that genuinely are in need, and, and yet I, we recognize we also want to be able to reach out with people with genuine needs in the body. And, and if you're interested in joining us, see Pastor Bob or myself, we, we could use some more wisdom. But, but I, I will warn you, sometimes it's a little frustrating to try to discern, is this genuine need or is this a sluggard desire? Okay, that's the first thought, okay? Uh, second thought, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to remember we were created to work. We were created by God, and his plan for us is that we should be workers, and we should carry our own weight. And those who refuse, you ready? Those who refuse to work and carry their own weight, that's serious and that's sin. That's not just, oh, no, that's, that's hard. No, that's sin. And here's what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. You ready? Second uh, Thessalonians 3.10. You ready? Here's what it says. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. <laughs> You're not willing to work? Then maybe when your stomach starts grumbling, that will be the motivating force to get you busy. Okay? Blunt, harsh, but biblical. Um, and I just say we need to quit enabling those who can and should be carrying their own weight. Lovingly nudging them. Lovingly, excuse me, but I'm not going to help you shirk your responsibilities any longer. That's one extreme, okay? Some of you are feeling pretty good because you're a hard worker, right? Can I just tell you that Satan loves to push us to extremes? This is an extreme. And I would also say, for those of you who are feeling pretty smug right now, when you're working 60, 70, 80, 90 hours a week, and you're not properly resting and taking a day off, and you're not taking care of your families properly, that's the other extreme, and that too is wrong in sin. Okay? So extremes, the biblical balance here is to work and work hard, but find that proper balance between rest and work, okay? And, and we love to go to extremes, don't we? And, and I just say, either extreme, that's wrong, that's out of balance, that's sin. Third, and we're done. Be careful that even though you might be on a job and earning a paycheck, that you're not just in a coasting mentality, it's easy after you've been on a job for a while and now it's not quite as enjoyable as it used to be and it's kind of lost some of its, its allure and now it's kind of boring and pretty soon we can just, well, I'm just here to earn my paycheck. And we can become one of those people who every opportunity, I'm taking a break. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and they take every break to the max and unwilling to do anything that I don't have to. No, 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 that's not in my contract. No, I don't have to do that. No, I, I'm not picking that up. No, I'm not doing that. And pretty soon we're one of those workers who's doing absolutely as little work as possible. Every employer in northern Michigan should be hungry and eager to hire followers of Jesus. You tracking with me? We should be the best workers 
We should be the most honest and loyal workers. We should be workers that people look at us and say, I want, I want those workers. I wanna, they should be calling us and saying, give me some people who need a job because I want you working for me. You're, you're going above and beyond. You're caring. You're, you're the kind of worker that I want. That should be true for every one of us who claims the name of Jesus Christ. For many of us, work is our greatest opportunity to shine bright for Jesus. For many of you, your, your greatest chance to go and, and, and show others what Jesus looks like is on the job. So, so let me just ask you as we close, are you taking Jesus to the job? If we talk to your boss and said, hey, tell me about this person. Tell me about um, how are they doing. What would your boss say in response to talking about you? Um, what would your coworkers say about you? Do they see you and they say, yeah, man, that is a hard, conscientious, loyal, honest worker. That, that's like the best worker here. Would they say that about you? If you're the boss, what would your, uh, what would your employees say about you? Fair? Honest? Generous? Kind? How about your customers? How about your suppliers? You, you see where I'm coming from? Listen closely as, as we're done. We either have the greatest opportunities we go on the job to shine bright for Jesus or to give Jesus a black eye. What kind of worker are you? What kind of worker am I? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. And I just ask you just to take a moment and pause and invite Jesus to take his word and apply it to your life, even right now, quietly. Lord, I would ask that you might show us those around us who are in genuine need. The biblically poor and those in need, would you make that obvious to us? And then, Lord, help us to be generous. Help us to be willing to give above and beyond what we have to, to those folks you put in our lives. Lord, I pray for my friends who have some sluggards in their life. Some of them are uh, very close, maybe family, maybe close friends, neighbors, people they work with. Lord, uh, give us wisdom. Help us to speak truth with love. I pray for those who are here who've gotten out of balance on the other side, who are working so much that they've made their job their idol. And they're not making time for the other priorities of life. Lord, give them insight there as well. And Lord, uh, I pray for each of us 
whether we're at home watching children, Lord, uh, whether we're uh, on the job, whether we're overseeing employees, wherever we go, Lord, I'm praying for uh, the workers here in your church at Walloon. I pray, Lord, that we'd be the best workers. I pray that we'd be such conscientious, loyal, hardworking, honest workers. Lord, my prayer is that folks would be hungry to hire Christ followers. That's what kind of workers and reputation we have. So help us, Lord, in this week ahead to shine bright for you. We love you. Thank you for giving us something called work. And it's a privilege, Lord, to work for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray all these things.